In this episode, we discuss a hodgepodge of things, including a company reorg, growth tactics, and more. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. What up, what up, what up, Rick? Oh, that was a good one. I liked that <laughs> intro. Uh, I worked hard on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, not much. Uh, we just switched the time of the podcast, and so now we are, we are kind of both not organized because um, we're doing this recording an hour early. <laughs> yeah. So we also don't have a full hour like we normally do, but we also don't have an hour's worth of content, it looks like. So uh, it works out. (laughs) Cool. Um, Yeah. So the main thing that I just wanted to update you on is we had a partner meeting a couple weeks ago uh, at Leg Up Health. Um, uh, You were in that meeting with JD. And uh, one of the takeaways we had was that the biggest bottleneck uh, JD is facing day to day is that um, he's having trouble conveying um, the, a, 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 the value proposition of, of the software platform that you've built, um, which we want to charge $20 per employee per month for, uh, to small businesses. And fundamentally, like what that platform promises to do is basically, uh, without group health insurance, um, let, lets a, a company offer health insurance by, by take, helping employees get their own health insurance, um, directly from insurance companies. And we, we have software and service basically that makes that attractive. Um, and so we, we identified that that wasn't easy for him, for any of us to pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we spent well, some time brainstorming it. Well, and I think especially it's not, it's not that they're, the value isn't clear the, it's that leg up health also has a free individual, like an individual can come sign up for leg up health and get really good concierge service for free. So I think like differentiating why pay the $20 if they can just come to you directly and get it for free is that's what I heard. One of the big challenges was. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes what's happening is we're, we're generating uh, a lead through our consumer service, which is a marketplace concierge free marketplace concierge service where we become the agent and make money as the agent. And then they're like uh, a business owner is like, Whoa, this is great for me. Um, I have 10 employees that I'd like to offer this to. And we go, great. It's $20 per employee per month. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to we got to figure out how to tell a story there and 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 set up um, why why it makes sense to to pay for 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 more than just the free service. Mm-hmm. Um. And anyway, like uh, we 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 made some good progress on that this week. So um, I'm excited to see where uh, where that what that turns into. Um. And I also impromptu demoed the software today. Oh, uh, just like you bumped had, into someone or I had a lunch call um, with someone to catch up with. And uh, he's someone that's in the space like, uh, working with insurance agents. And I literally just like logged in and started demoing the company platform. He's like, oh, this is great. Oh, cool. Um, because why don't you sell this to agents? That thought has crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have a good answer for that other than you know, it would be distracting. Yeah, I I almost just said, yeah, why don't we sell it to agents? And then I was like, wait, no, that's not what we're doing right now. But I, I, it's something I'm struggling with working with you on leg up health is like, it, it, it would be so much fun to do a bunch of brainstorming and talk big picture and all that. And the only thing that needs to happen right now is JD needs to go out and sell. And, and so it's probably, yeah, I could give the argument, well, let's also brainstorm so that we have a vision when the time comes, but it's kind of like, 
even talking about it probably runs the risk of distracting JD. It is. Even, it if, is. even if he's not in the conversation, if he listens to this and hears the two <laughs> of us talk about it, that's probably a distraction. Yep. And it's a distraction for me to think about it. Um, and um, yeah, like it's, I need to help him, you know, do like right now we've identified that uh, making it easier for him to put a, a strong pitch of this, we were, you know, kind of funny thing that, that I took away from the partner meeting is we were calling it a, the stipend program. Yeah. And like, that was a big like positioning mistake because that's not actually what people want to, what, what we're charging money for. Um, and, uh, so, and con- so con- context yeah. for the listeners on what, what you mean by that employers can say, okay, I'm not going to offer group insurance to my employees, but I'll give them a stipend. I'll give them like a monthly allowance to, to buy their own insurance. And so we were saying like, if they buy our software and use our services, they might also give a stipend, hence it being called the stipend program. But the, again, the same question, why am I paying you for this? Because a lot of these employers are already, it's its literally just like, I'm adding it to payroll. We, we add no value to the stipend itself, right? Yeah. It's, it's not about the stipend management at all. And so the biggest change that we've made is just, we're calling it the non-group health insurance program. <laughs> I don't like that name either. I hope that's a a work in progress. No, but it's better. It, but it's it forces a different perspective, like talk track and explanation than the stipend program was forcing. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see how that that evolves uh, coming out of our meeting. Um, but I'm really enjoying this stage of the business and how we've got now that we've got this this because of JD's leadership this daily outbound machine that generates meetings and opportunities predictably we're now pitching and, 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 and because we're not talking about like, how do we get meetings? We're talking about how do we close meetings? Yeah. And that's a much more interesting conversation to have than, Oh, it's crickets. I feel like the theme, like if, if at the end of this year, we have to say like what line from this podcast summarizes the theme. And I feel like it's, you can't optimize nothing Mm -hmm. uh, from a few episodes ago that, that since, since we had that realization, it keeps coming up that it's like, yeah, if you're doing something, there's so much more energy. There's, it's so much, it's so clear what to work on when you're trying something and it's failing as opposed to when you're planning something, but you haven't been able to tell what, what works and what doesn't yet. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, we have, I, I feel like, uh, you know, kind of updates here is we've, we've got a sales coach for JD, um, that they're meeting, uh, I think they're doing five sessions over six or seven weeks. Um, and that's leading to like more discipline around pipeline management, um, and, and just ideas around outreach. Um, and then we're doing, we're doing our weekly marketing coach meeting with Garrett. Um, that's still like, uh, he's adding more, he's, he's kind of getting in, into the groove too with our newer execution approach and, um, and helping out. So, um, it's, a it feels like we're just getting better every week. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I I don't have much other else to say like, and then, you know, that's cool. It's cool. is like Tyler built this software. Like it was a no code app that I cobbled together and, and now all of our consumer customers use the app that Tyler built. Um, and so we're almost getting a daily signup now. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, you don't get those notifications. I don't think, I think it's too noisy for you. Yeah. Like we're getting referrals from, uh, from employers. Uh, people keep referred one. That has nothing to do with the software though, right? Like something else changed to cause more signups. Yes. Maybe it's because JD's doing all these calls and stuff. Yes. And I also think he has more confidence in the software and knows that like, Hey, if I, I want to get people through this because, um, I know that I have someone who will help me improve it if they hit a roadblock. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's like this, 
momentum building on on consumer signups as well. Cool. That's awesome. So I feel really good about the business right now. Uh, yeah, I'm scared about the open enrollment season, but because um, it's just like so kind of like make it or break it. But um, yeah. Yep. That is definitely a challenge with the business that a month and a half out of the year is really all that matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's up on your, on your end? Um, so I've already mentioned this, but the wheel, like uh, I mentioned the plan, but now we're actually starting to do it. And that is uh, in the past, we've had basically two DevOps people um, by DevOps. I mean, developers who work on infrastructure, not who like not actually building our app. And we have six software engineers or devs, whatever you want to call them. Um, one of whom is still training. So really we have five people who are like actually shipping code. Um, and the DevOps team has just kind of operated in its own little bubble for a long time. And I, I don't really know why. I, there's all these things where when you run a company for long enough, if you just like take a step back and look at how things are operating, you realize like, why in the hell did we set things up this way? And so we did that with the DevOps team and realized, A, two out of eight total people is, that's overweighting DevOps. Like DevOps should not have 25% of our technical work going towards it. Um, and B, it just, it, it didn't make any sense to separate them and to, to spend so much time on DevOps. So basically we're merging the two teams together. And like today, literally today is kind of when we started changing, like I made a bunch of, you know, new meetings and started moving project management stuff from one notion board to another. And I announced, started announcing it to the team. So I'm feeling a lot of energy here because, um, there's a lot of good stuff to come out of that. And especially I'm looking at the team and I'm like, we have five somewhat, you know, from between probably like junior and senior level devs. And we're about to have three more kind of in the next few months entering junior level ish. Like the team's about to get a lot bigger without us hiring anyone. And I say three, because we already hired this one dev who's been training for like six months, like learning to code because she was on the customer service team. We've got the two DevOps people coming over. And also, I'm spending time coding for the first time in a long time. So we're kind of adding like three and a half devs to a five-person team. Are we about to have our regular conversation around growth uh, software uh, priorities? What do you mean? Like, are we about to talk about like appointment scheduling? <laughs> Why? Because we feel like I'm going in circles? Is that <laughs> no, what's just going teasing. on here? <laughs> um, no, I actually also, I feel really good about our our dev priorities as well um like a big part of moving the devops team into the dev team is like when you have two devops people you say okay what are the best devops projects and you make up projects you're like i guess let's upgrade our database from mysql 5.7 to mysql whatever and it's like is that really a priority for the company right now no but we had to make up devops projects now that they're kind of pulling into the bigger umbrella i get to be like oh i'm i get to pick I, I get even more in, influence over what the priorities are, and we get to move even faster on the things that are our top priorities. So I'm I'm really excited about this. And can you recap what the top priorities are right now? I think that one of them was like like last episode we talked a little bit about how you were going to prioritize a pretty big project that wasn't the most impactful from a growth standpoint, but doing it sets up something. Like yeah, so at, right now we're we're in the we're at the end of two big projects, redoing our API. Um, and uh, the the redesign. We already launched both of these, but we kind of launched them half finished, and so we're we're finishing them. Then we're doing what you just described. Bulk actions is the feature uh, that is like far and away what our customers want the most. Like our product, 
when customers like get a year in and everything goes to shit and they become unhappy, it's because we don't have this. Like their data mm. is messed up basically. Cause they, you know, when you, when you sign up for a CRM, you don't necessarily know like which custom fields should I set up and should I make this a, should I put this on the contact record or the company record? Um, and basically it's just really, it's incredibly tedious to correct those types of things right now. Cause you have to do it one at a time. Uh, bulk actions will allow people to all at once do certain actions, which will, the thing CRM coaches hate dealing with is things that will be solved by this. <laughs> so it's actually, it's a great feature. The reason I say it's not a growth feature is nobody runs into this problem until they're already pretty deep into the CRM. It's not something people encounter during their first month normally. Interesting. And then what's the next set? Like what, let's, we yeah. get this done. What, the, what is this? What, what, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you've got, you're, you're, you've got more dev resources than you've ever had. You're aligning those dev resources, uh, what is this going to turn it? Yeah. What's going to, what's this going to lead to from an ARR perspective? Yeah. Um, so the two, the, after that, the two projects are forms, which re really forms is the whole, that's the whole bet right now is that, and it could be forms, it could be document signing, it could be, uh, invoicing, but some kind of feature where if our customers use it, they will put it in front of their customers. Our hope is that that that's not going to by itself like make us take off like a rocket ship but our hope is that we get some exposure from that and it supplements our other marketing efforts and gives us the boost from like mediocre growth to okay growth that's what we're hoping for there um and then we have another basically not all of our developers can contribute to that just because of skill set and expertise so we have another project that the ones who can't contribute to forms will be working on but it's less growth focused interesting cool yeah that's i um, and on the invoices thing, would you guys become the payment processor or would you outsource that to like a Stripe? I mean, honestly, it, I don't, I think it's unlikely we do invoicing okay. partially. Be, it's a feature. It, it seems really simple. And then what, at one point we like dove into it and started planning it out and realized like there's a million little things like that, but uh, it's tough. Stripe has a tool. I forget what they call it, but we can basically like um, provision customer accounts for Stripe and like it's invisible to our customer that they're using Stripe, but Stripe's doing it all. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like we can tell our customer, Hey, give us your bank account and we'll transfer the money into it. But actually it's going into Stripe. Yeah, it makes sense. The problem is it's like, it's, it's, it would be cheap to do this if our product was 50 bucks a month, but it's like a couple dollars a month or something for each of these accounts. And at our price point, it would be very difficult to make that that math work out. Yep. Um, interesting. Yeah. What about? Well, I won't get into that. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in this payment stuff because of of leg up. Um, so I, I'm I'm biased to you figuring out payments at less annoying. Oh yeah. So, I, so, I I did look at Stripe. The same thing. Could leg up health use it? And the answer is no. Like okay. it doesn't do what leg up health needs. What about the treasury? Like new treasury system that that we've From talked Stripe? about. No, from um. Oh, the new, uh, federal, the federal program. Yeah. Fed you know now. Fed now. Yeah. Is that it? Is that real? I, I guess it launched. So for anyone who hasn't heard of this, well, for anyone not in the U S there's a thing called ACH, which is how most money moves in the U S. Uh, it's very slow and complicated. And I think it's from like the eighties basically. And then, yeah, the federal government just put out fed now, which is like a new version that I guess every other country on earth already has this, which is like instant money transfers with no fees base or small enough fees that it's negligible. 
So do you, do you think that we'll be able to leverage Fed now for leg up at some point? My understanding of how it works is uh, we would not. So, you know, in the U.S., like nothing can be truly run by the government because that's socialism or whatever. So it's a protocol, but banks integrate with it. We don't integrate with it. And my understanding is both sides of the transaction have to work with FedNow. Um, so it's like the customer's bank and our bank both use FedNow instead of using ACH. But I don't think we exactly, I don't think we like connect directly to the federal government's payment system and can initiate a transaction that way. That's my understanding. So how, do, how does this, how does this like proliferate? I think that all like basically there are some partner banks that like launched with support, but the hope is that more and more banks start supporting this to the customer. It'll be invisible. Like if you use Venmo or cash app or whatever, you're already transferring money. Nobody knows it's via ACH. They just think money is moving. It'll just move faster and nobody will know why. I think it'll be completely abstracted away from the customer. So there'll and, be some service that we can sign up for. At yeah, some the point. way the way we could use Dwala to move m- money via ACH, I think we would still use a Dwala type service, but it would just use FedNow and it would be instant. That's that's should we build that? And like playing Jeff Bezos, like yeah, uh, should we build that four leg up and then license it? It might be worth looking into. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's. I, I think you might need to be a bank. Mm. Or, or, or sorry, sorry, you're saying. Yeah, God, there's so many levels here. There's like FedNow, and then the banks integrate with FedNow, and then Dwala integrates with all the banks, and then we integrate with Dwala. I think that's the stack right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we wouldn't be the bank. We would just have to build a million integrations with the banks that exist. That seems really hard. That seems like a challenge for a funded company to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where v- venture capital makes sense. Yes, I think so. All right. Well, um, never mind then. Um, but I, I should probably take another look at it. It's been, I, I, last time I looked at it was before FedNow actually launched. Um, yeah, I, I can't make sense of the website. I was looking at it while you're talking. And yeah, it's so complicated. I watched like yeah. a little screencast on it and there's like this flow chart with, there must've been 40 things on it. Like first this, you know, the request goes from here to here and then it gets processed and then there has to be a handshake deal between both ends and then blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was so complicated. <laughs> um, ha- having said that though, I do think like, as, as entrepreneurs, a nice, it, for people who don't have a business yet, a nice thing to do is to say, like, what is changing about the world? And is, is it like, is now the right time to do something, whereas a year ago wasn't and a year from now won't be? And normally to time something right, it's really just like, what's new and important? This seems important. Like, it's not going to fail. It's the federal government's main payment system. Like, it's going to work. And someone's going to make money off of it. I don't know how, but it's probably worth looking into if someone's looking for a startup idea. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't, I don't remember how we got here, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, dev resources and invoices. Right, right, right. right. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited one, about the one, dev team. One development team, no, no Correct. DevOps team and anymore. This won't matter for. Like if we were, if our growth issues were a big, like, oh no, we're not going to survive. I, this is not the right approach to take because a, we're building that bulk actions thing I talked about, which is, it's only going to take a month or two, probably once we can put all the devs on it, but still, but then also these three new devs are going to have to like get trained up. It'll be months before they're really contributing meaningfully. So in the short term, nothing changes 
really. But like six months from now, I think the velocity on the dev team and is going to be a lot higher and they're going to be working on like really high impact growth projects. Uh, but it'll it'll be a while before we really start seeing anything there. That's cool, though. That's uh, th- this. This is good. Do yeah. this now before you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it. You know, I look back and I'm like, man, we should have done this two years ago. Like every single one of all three of these devs worked at the company three years ago. Wow. Um, (laughs) I mean, one of them is my brother. He's the co-founder. He's been here this whole time. Uh, So on the one hand, I'm really excited. And I'm also kicking myself like, why did it take us this long to do this? (laughs) Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. The actual answer is it's because when we hired Fair as the other DevOps person, when we hired the second DevOps person, the servers went down all the time. We had like DevOps was our biggest problem at the time and hiring someone made sense then, but we just DevOps has been under control for a couple of years now and we never adjusted. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I, I do RevOps for, um, my main, my main job and a lot of the stuff that I fix, like if I'm doing it right, doesn't, it's more monitoring the, the, the job becomes more monitoring than like firefighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's like, what do you do after that? Uh, and so it's interesting, like, but there is yeah. value in like monitoring. Um, well, this makes me, I, one of my topics here is, so you hear about big companies and like, we all do an eye roll when we hear this of like, oh, it's a reorg. And now I'm like, holy shit. Is there like a ton of value to unlock from doing a reorg at a company? Because if you've got a company with a thousand employees, and like you just said, like, okay, we were putting out a bunch of fires, we needed a big team, but now all these people are in this department that could be a tenth of the size that it is. You could just like create 50 new jobs out of thin air without increasing costs at all. That sounds pretty powerful. Maybe I shouldn't roll my eyes so much when I hear about company reorgs. Yeah, well, I, I think most times reorg, is, there's two types of reorgs. There's actual reorgs, and then there's, uh, we just fired a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I mean more that. So yeah, there's the layoffs. I mean more like a very common thing is like a, a new CEO comes in or a new executive and like their part of the company shifts around or like I know on the on the product side, there's kind of an ongoing debate of do you say, OK, there's like a front end team and a back end team and a DevOps team. Or do you say, OK, this feature has its own team and they have front end, back end and DevOps yeah. there and like. You, you get a new leader, a new CTO, and they switch to the other one, and then you get another CTO, and they switch back. Um, I, I assume there's a tremendous amount of waste here, but maybe there's more value to unlock than I realized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, a lot of times when a new CEO gets hired, there's a reason that a new CEO got hired. And if you don't do a reorg, like, what are you doing? Because that's your main lever is, like, where people are deployed. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, but yeah, like the question does come up though, that is, is, should you do reorgs more often? And is there another opportunity to do this, um, at less annoying CRM mm. even? Yeah. Again, I think, so we're not going to do what I'm about to say, but like I've said before, I like the exercise of if a private equity company came in, what would they do? And the answer is they'd lay off three quarters of the customer service team, but I'm not going to do layoffs, obviously. What? So if, if you put that constraint on them, then they'd say, okay, well, we're going to take three quarters of the customer service team and have them do something else. I think that's the reorg that's sitting there, but customer service would go to shit and I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like if it was just let's design a company that is effective at lot, like the most important things, I don't think you'd pick uh, eight out of our 20 people being on the customer service team probably. 
When do you, are you going to create a sales team? Uh, interesting you say that. So, we, I mean, Alex, we say he does biz dev, but recently he's more sales than biz dev. Um, so he's basically full-time on sales right now. And then Ruth, one of our CRM coaches, has been... I, I talked about like the sand projects versus rocks projects mm-hmm. with you. So basically, when our customer service team is overstaffed, we are pre-booking as much time as we can for other projects. So we only have the amount of time we need on customer service. And one of those projects will be a sales one. So one of our CRM coaches is going to join Alex doing sales. But that's only going to be max one day a week. It's not it's not a team, like you say. I I don't think we can... We charge $15 a month. We can't make outbound sales work. Or, let me rephrase that. We can't like scale it profitably. What's so cool though is that you have an online motion that works. If you could just like pay people to do drive more tr- qualified traffic with like non-scalable outbound um, activity, either that's through like referrals, like doing like trying to replicate what Alex has done over time, and um, it seems like that would work, even if it wasn't like necessarily quoted people. Like they could be, you know, just momentum builders. How like, would by like kind of like gospel, you know, less annoying CRM gospel uh, speakers. What do you like? Obviously, you haven't put a real plan together here, but like, give me some example, like specific examples, because that's uh, that's generic enough. I'm having trouble, I think, picturing what you mean. Um, I don't know. Like, you probably there's a bunch of tools around, uh, like built with. Like, you know what built with is? No, I don't. Okay, so built with um, is a uh, scraping tool that basically goes and looks at people's websites and tries to ascertain oh, okay, what, sorry, yeah. what, uh, what their tech stack is. And so mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of outbound sort of uh, data that you could use to build a prospecting database for potential customers that you want to introduce thoughtfully to the less annoying CRM brand, not necessarily with like a cold pitch, but like you could invite them to events. Uh, you could um, offer free services. You could um, try to, you know, just nurture them over time and, and, and help them. Um, yeah. And, and so like, there's like, it just seems like there's this like snowball opportunity with just like data, like data built, like, prospect database building that you just thoughtfully nurture over time. And it's not sales. I shouldn't say sales, but it's outbound. Yeah. It's, it's outbound marketing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're pro- I'm sure you're right. This works. It feels so icky. It feels icky to tell people that there, that, that there's another solution out there um, that might help them not be annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I know, I know we like to make up excuses for, to justify doing what we want to do, but it's still annoying. Even if you're right, even if every salesperson thinks their product is going to help the person they're calling and it's still annoying getting a bunch of fucking spam calls that you never asked for, you know? Well, you don't have to call them. Or emails, whatever. Like I'm you, every time I get one of these emails, I mark it as spam. I fucking hate these emails. Well, you don't have to do the emails. You could like, if you had this database of like truly ICP prospects, you don't even have to like ever contact them. You could uh, upload them into uh, uh, Google and do target, you know, targeted marketing to the audience. Um, yeah, that's fair. You could do Facebook marketing, um, much more highly targeted. So like, there's like lots of ways you could uh, attempt to reach that pool if you knew who the pool was on a targeted level. That's fair. 
We are doing a little bit of this right now because we we buy leads. We do you know paper lead like uh, software advice type stuff, and a lot of them you never get in touch with. And so we are taking this is a relatively new thing. We used to just sell to them, and if we couldn't sell to them, that's it. Now we're taking the ones that we're not getting in touch with and retargeting and stuff like that. So we're doing a little baby version of what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. But like what what would like a dedicated person focused on just like I mean would that would that be a bet worth investing in? Well, I mean if you're saying someone did a dedicate like what's this dedicated person doing? If they this isn't sales, this is building the database which mostly means buying a database, I think, and then uploading it. So you have a pretty solid database right now, right? Like you've got uh, all the people who uh, were customers in the past uh, and all the people who, uh, who haven't converted. And then you've got your existing customers, which you could like do like some sort of lookalike scoring on. Yeah. And then you could use that to like basically say, Hey, these are people that we should reach out to again who have interacted with us before. That'd be like the first version of this. Yeah. Um, and that would be, we're kind of doing that. Not probably not as aggressively as, as you'd want us to, but we're doing some of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably, yeah, a hundred thousand people or something. Yeah. And then what if someone with like their 20% project, uh, which is referring to like, uh, extra credit project for someone else in the company, like was, Folk, like had a goal of like w- identifying a hundred thousand more people that are great yeah. fits um, that you could do non annoying things with. Okay, that's interesting. Let me let me think on that a little, and I'll I'll bring it up again if if I get anywhere with it. Although you actually just said something else we're doing. Um, the uh, so one of our rock projects, so to speak, is this sales thing, and then the other one is we are doing a little content experiment right now. Um, so one of our CRM coaches, as her 20% project, she's building a ChatGPT no-code app um, with Bubble that our CRM coaches are going to use to generate account customizations. So basically, if you're on the phone with a customer, we say, tell me about your business. And the customer tells us. And then we're like, okay, here's how I would customize your account. This type of call happens multiple times a day. But some of these businesses are like extremely obscure. It's like, you know, I run a gift wrapping concierge consulting service or whatever, like things we've never heard of before. And so this tool will basically, you type in a description of the business and it's going to spit out a perfectly formatted, here are the pipelines, custom fields, whatever. The CRM coach can always customize, you know, we're going to have a human look at it and make adjustments, but it's just kind of a starting point. But the nice, the thing we realized about this is we are going to have a database of all of the weird fucking industries people tell us and we're going to have content about what types of customization would be good for them. So basically, we're just going to start turning those into blog posts. Not 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 blog. We're going to make a separate section of the site. But um, I have no idea if this will work. But we'll that's, be able to put out dozens of pieces of content per week. That's a, it's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, would 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 you do? Would this make you uncomfortable? What if like you had someone who just was like the less annoying CRM party thrower? And they traveled uh, from town to town once a month um, in MSA in like small business areas, and said, uh, and basically you invited you you basically th- did an open bar for um, I don't know an hour. <laughs> yeah. And you, so and, you, and you reached out to people who had no interaction with your brand before, and you said, hey, we're less annoying CRM. Uh, come 
come to the bar first 100 people to RSVP get entry. Otherwise you get added to the wait list. We just want to introduce you to our brand. Would you cold email someone that? Uh, I mean, any kind of cold, cold email is wrong in my opinion. Uh, if it's personalized, it's not wrong. If you're like, I have actually looked this up and I'm writing this email to you personally, I'm, I have no problem with that. Cool. Here's the problem. We have actually tried this before. Um, it, 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 we couldn't get it anywhere close to profitable. I mean, it was orders of magnitude too expensive because the problem was, so the thing you've got with leg up health, that's amazing is everyone needs health insurance and everyone has to buy it every year. But many people do not need CRMs. And even if even if you need a CRM, that doesn't mean you're actually buying a CRM. And so you have to talk to 20 ICPs to find one that's even potentially going to buy. And then they still have to buy you. So you probably have to have 100 ICPs to whittle down to that one person. And now you're making $15 a month. Like it is hard to make that work. Yep. Versus like the market. That's not to say you need 100 leads to convert it into one. If you're doing inbound with inbound, it's like, all hundred of these people are buying a CRM right now because they searched for some kind of CRM related keyword. Yeah, with the with the cold prospecting database uh, doesn't do is figure out intent. Now there are there are uh, new products out there that you can layer over your prospect database that signal someone in, uh, with intent um, that may not be hitting less knowing CRM or may not be converting on less knowing CRM that you don't know about, and you could potentially trigger. Uh, like prior to prioritization of those leads. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, we actually, so another thing, so we buy leads from software advice. They're expensive because the way software advice works is like they talk on the phone to every lead and then they kind of like personally pair the lead with the right people to sell the leads to. So they're very qualified. I think we pay, you know, 150 bucks per lead or something like that. There's, we're, running a pilot next month with two other ones that just do a very simple form qualification. The, the leads are like 20 bucks instead of 150. So we can potentially buy a lot more volume. They will be less qualified, but they are all buying, right? These are people who went to a website and filled out, I'm looking for a CRM, pair me with the right one. So that's another, like we've been thinking of them as sales leads, but maybe like combining it with your idea of saying these people may need like more of a, low touch marketing nurturing type of thing but uh they're cheap enough it could work mm -hmm. twenty dollars by the way is what you have to pay for one click for someone searching for a crm related keyword on google so we're going to get like a person's full contact information and them opting in for us to contact them for the same price as one click from google seems like maybe we should just buy like buy a lot of these <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> That's, that was a fun conversation. I like talking about the top of funnel stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I feel more educated now on that. Like I was out of the game for a while yeah. um, and now I'm getting back into it both for leg up health and for my day job. And, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's good. Yeah. I'm I always re-listen to the, our episodes and I know I'm going to re-listen to this and be like, damn it. I have to do some of this. Don't I? <laughs> I don't think you do. Or I mean, we have to. I don't yeah. want to is the yeah. thing, but I think we should. Yeah, it'd be really interesting. Um, very interesting. There's probably some really interesting things you could do with the data, just leveraging the data that you already have and building lookalikes off of it and then layering in like intent. Like if there is, if these intent companies actually deliver on what they're doing, like CRM is ripe for intent. Like people, like they know if people are searching for CRM. Yeah. 
Do you know, do you have a specific one of these that you I haven't looked into like, there, I have like three or four of them. Um, Zoom Info is starting to play in this is like the kind of the enterprise level version of this. Um, there's. They've uh, been spamming me so much. I hate Zoom Info. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say I as, as I try to get a database to spam. No, I'm. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me just see intent, intent, buying intent company let me just see oh six cents is like the really popular one six cents okay. it's called b2b buyer intent data uncover hidden demand and identify accounts that are ready to buy we're also using ad roll for retargeting and they claim to have something like this it's all very mysterious like how how do they know you know but um for people who don't know ad roll is one of these like you know, here's a list of customers or we can put a pixel on our website and then anyone on that list, show them these ads on all these different properties. But they say that they have some kind of intent lookalike tool. I'm very skeptical, but that is one thing we're exploring. Yep. Because One of the things, I, I mean, this was always true, but you, you helped clarify, like I can say this more concisely now than I could have at the beginning of this conversation. I am comfortable showing ads to people much, much more so than I am comfortable doing cold outreach to people. Yeah, outreach is, um, and you don't. It makes you uncomfortable to interrupt people. Yeah, like there's going to be an ad there either way. They're going to see an ad. The fact that it's our ad does not make their life any worse. There's going to be an email in, in their inbox, and now there's two. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not removing a different email by sending them one. Yeah. I I, I get it. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I I hate it. I what I wish was I wish it was illegal. Um, so no one could, if no one could do it, cause this is a zero sum game, it's competitive. If all your competitors are doing this, I get why many businesses are like, what choice do we have? I've got to be annoying here. Cause that's how you get customers. If no one could do it, it would be a level playing field without the annoyance. I, I, I wish that's what, what it was. I don't, I, I just think there's, there's a binary here and I, I don't think it's binary. I think there's a way to reach out to people, um, thoughtfully without being annoying. Um, and I don't think most people do that. Right. Uh, and so I, I just, I think the challenge that, that, that you have with that is that the, the funnel economics and yes. the volume is so, is so kind of disjointed that you, in order for that to work, you've got to figure out how to identify both the highest probability people in terms of like fit, but then also a timing, uh, yeah. so that you know that they're actually going to, potentially turn into money at a much higher rate than what they do at the, or the general population. That's exactly right. And and we have done and still do tar like cold outreach to, for example, uh, we've tried doing like influencer marketing where it's like, let's reach out to people who talk about CRMs on LinkedIn or wherever. Let's reach out to them and see if they want to give us a review. But in that case, we do the kind of high quality personal type like you're talking about. So I, yeah, I'm not opposed to that. It's exactly what you said that to get customers that way, the, the math just wouldn't work out. But you're right that if we could, if we could be better, if we could pre-qualify people before doing the outreach, then maybe we could justify sending the right kind of cold outreach. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. You've given me some stuff to think about. Thank you. And this is what I dream about with, with leg up. Like I, it, that transitions nicely into our air cover uh, topic, which, um, so, I, so I do have to go in three minutes by three, the way. Oh, th <laughs> three. Well, I'll, I'll be brief. Basically, like the project that I really, really want, want to work on when I have time, which I don't have, and once like this is the right bottleneck to focus on is like basically taking the what JD is doing, which is is like he's building this database of ICPs, 
and figuring out how to recycle the people that he's not converting into uh, programmatic uh, sort of pre pre prescriptive like um, nurturing and either that by by reserving them to him to reach out to or slow nurturing over time um, to try to reengage um, and 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 then simultaneously trying to figure out how to get him like if you if you look at what he does like there's like three components to what he does the first is is getting it into like identifying sorry the first is identifying a a company that fits our ICP criteria and then second is is identifying the people at that company that we want to reach out to um and then secure also securing contact information for them and then third figuring out how to get that into our system and then fourth doing the actual outreach mm-hmm. and so it uh if if we can figure out how to like systematize and increase volume on the f- the first two um and then also like once he's done with them like done his outreach like continue to nurture um on the back end like we we amplify what he can do from an efficiency standpoint significantly yeah. that seems like like if you one day were full time on like up that seems like a great one two punch of you building the systems and automation and all that and then him doing the like once someone hits a certain part of the funnel, doing that kind of follow up, yeah, and then man- and managing people to do that yeah. as well, and the, yeah. it's um so yeah, that's like uh that's I'm excited about that, but it, it takes into account all these things like there's data tools on the fr- on the top end, there's data tools and the mid at the mid end, then there's um uh, sort of CRMs and CRM f- features that we can leverage for this, and then there's marketing that you can layer in uh, programmatically to, um, but I'll leave, I'll leave with this one thought, which is I was talking, I told you I had that call today and he looked at our software and he was like, he does, this guy does a, um, a, a seminar, uh, regularly at conferences and his, his main pitch to agents is stop spending all your money on marketing to people you don't know, stop marketing to strangers and start marketing to your customers. Um, and it, he pointed out that like most people spend all their marketing budget on, marketing to strangers instead of marketing to people that you already have a relationship with. Um, and so that's something that I'm going to focus on with this air cover plan is I, we've wasted a lot of money this year on marketing to strangers. And I think there's a lot of opportunity marketing to people that we have some sort of affinity with and even yeah. spend money on getting more, getting more uh, bonded with our customers. I just add that. I want to talk more about that next episode Cool, and talk about how less annoying serum could do that too. But cool. all right. Well, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next time. See you, Rick.